This week on the ATP Tennis Radio podcast, reaction to the innovations trialed at the next-gen ATP finals in Milan. And we ask, what next? You know, we're not messing with the game. We're just looking to the future and we're trialing things. Yeah, what I really wanted to see in action uh, was uh, the no linesman. And uh, unfortunately, I don't like it. With these rules, uh, new rules, it's uh, you have to stay focused all the time. You don't have, you don't have to give you a chance, you know, to get broke, to get broken. If you can speak about uh, what he feel during the match, during the match, not after the match or before the match, during the match is most important. Younger generation, they're used to going from an activity, stopping it, starting another one, and and we have to explore in tennis ways to capture this new audience. Love them or loathe them, one thing that can certainly be said about the law innovations trialled in Milan is that they have started many a conversation about what the game of tennis might look like in the future. The event was the brainchild of executive chairman and president of the ATP, Chris Kermode. I thought it was fantastic. It was actually for you know all of us to do it was you know we took a, a lot of initial criticism because people said oh you're messing with the game and you know we're not messing with the game we're just looking to the future and we're trialing things and maybe none of it comes on the tour but you know the, we've got to look at the the next generation of fans to, you know to watch it you know I want my you know kids who are in their twenties to watch tennis and that you know they currently don't. Um, and we need to just address that going forward. Our current fan base is unbelievable. It's you know the number two or three sport in the world, you know, in the world globally. Um, so there's no problem with the product now. Um, but as a sport, you know, you just have to evolve. Um, and you know, we don't have to make the changes now. But we need to look ahead. And I thought m- many of them were so good and refreshing. You know, the shot clock worked. The the coaching, which I'm personally not a fan of at all, but you know, I looked at it. You know, I had to be open-minded, and at the end of the sets with the headsets, I, I thought it was great actually, and I was really dead against it. So, many, most people who were actually in the arena in Milan, really were bowled over by how great it was, and the negative comments were a lot of people who weren't there. And you know, I was one of them. I was sitting in there and was willing to go. Actually, some stuff was pretty good. And what's the feedback been from the players, but both the likes of Dennis who who was playing, but also the Roger Federer's who might have been watching. I mean, fundamentally, players don't like change. I mean, that's a, that, that's a given because, uh, you know, they've grown up playing a certain way and they've worked very hard in that system. So I understand that if you start changing the rules, you know, you've worked, you know, right at the end of your career and you want to keep the legacy going and suddenly you're changing those rules. I get it's very difficult. Same with the kids coming through. They've played through, you know, futures and challenges in a certain way. And now you're saying we've got to play in a different way. So you've got to be very delicate about that. But things like shot clocks, reduced warm-ups, for sure they work and make sense so um, I think those are the easy ones so just finally Chris what's what's the time frame what's the framework for now taking what you've got and making some decisions potentially so we've started the process here with the ATP board met we discussed it we'll review it we've got to take feedback from everybody Um, we're not going to rush into any of these things I think you know as I said the the easy ones that I think don't affect the outcome of the game will get through for 2019 any scoring changes, I think we have to be very careful of how we progress with that. But we'll use next gen next year to maybe 
tweak again the scoring format, see whether, I don't know what it is at this stage, but we'll be constantly evolving to see ultimately whether any of this, the scoring formats, work on the main tour. Another member of the decision-making process is the ATP's Executive Vice Chairman of Rules and Competition, Gail Bradshaw. He was another interested observer in Milan and spoke there with Barry Cowan. Well, for me personally, it was my involvement with uh, working with Hawkeye on the Hawkeye Live, uh, replacing the lineup hires. Um, I felt I was the one that recommended the tour to go ahead, that we were ready. And so I was really holding my breath. And, and so far, it's been outstanding. When did you make that recommendation? Because I, I guess for us involved in the sport, we want things to happen tomorrow. But in terms of when you're in charge of rules and regulations, that obviously takes time to go through the process. Well, Hawkeye came to me probably the middle of last year with the idea that they thought they could be ready to do this. And we started, we had a test at the O2 last year uh, before the matches one day. And it was the first time Hawkeye had been able to see their product in a real match situation other than the laboratory. So they learned a lot from that. And we had a follow-up test in Indian Wells. And we did it one morning before they opened the gates. We used Marty Fish and Tommy Haas. They came out and played. And, and the things that we learned in London had been improved. We learned some other things from getting feedback from the players and just watching it in the field. And the biggest, the biggest thing was the timing from when the ball struck to when it made the call. It started out there was quite an uncomfortable delay, and we still had that in Indian Wells. So Hawkeye felt that they could take care of that with some more work. We had a final test in Cincinnati in August uh, of this year. And they had gotten their speed down uh, to where it was as good as a human. Then the next issue was what kind of a sound are we going to have to indicate it was out? And we thought, you know, a, bee a beep, a buzzer, a horn. We tried all the things and it sounded not right. And then all of a sudden Hawkeye had recorded a voice and they did that. And it says, well, that's, how obvious was that? That, that sounds right which is what we're doing here. So once, once we had the accuracy confirmed with us that it's the same as their normal Hawkeye and that they could make all the calls and we got the timing right on the calls, it was ready for a go. And working alongside Gale and his team in Milan was Hawkeye's head of tennis, Sam Green. Here we have two extra cameras, so that makes it 12 instead of 10, um, which is for redundancy purposes. So clearly here without the... the the line, the line empires, it's important for us to really make sure that there are no ways that the system can go down. So we have things in place to make sure that there's reserve power and that we have fail safes for if there's a problem, if a fan was to, for example, stand in front of a camera. Yeah. The iPad, it's an innovation this week along with many innovations that the you feed the stats to the players that they can have a look at the change of ends and the, and the, the change of at the end of each set and players have bought into it that's right yeah it was it was one of the new innovations with the fact that the players can talk to their coaches which is new for the game um, it was decided that we'd provide some statistical analysis um, along with the, the other statistics so the players have got the tablets next to them and they've, they've used it a lot it's been great to see um, and they have available to them the ball placements for themselves and the opposition player 
for the first serves, second serves, and then the, the shots during the rally. So that really gives them an insight as to where they're placing the ball, where their opponent's placing the ball, and how they can probably counter that sort of that sort of placement. The coach doesn't get to, to view their stats, do they? No, the coach doesn't get to view the stats. Um, the tablet's just here for the players, uh, but they can, when they have their headset on talking to the coaches, they can obviously relay what they see uh, to discuss with the coach what they think is the, the best approach. Well, your box is situated right at the back of the court, right at the top, next to the commentary box for, for television. Are you able to see what they are following? Uh, we can't see necessarily what they're following, but we provide a, a set number of, of graphics for them to see so we know what they can see and then we but, can but see you don't the, actually know what they're looking at well, we can see from the broadcast but not not on the screen ourselves so it's really interesting for us to actually analyze what they're what they're looking at but we're also providing some statistical analysis on the big screen yeah. so again because coaching's allowed at this event we can show statistics that otherwise we couldn't uh, and, and whose call is that so that we have an operator who's who's dedicated to providing that feed so he thinks of what's insightful what's interesting for the match uh, and then there's a director who decides whether or not that's going to go to the big screen it's been an amazing addition to the sport you know, 10 11 years now that it's been in operation one one thing i did like the footfall we, we saw that a little bit yesterday yeah so one of the things you lose with a line judge is that they do call the foot faults. However, we've replaced that with a series of cameras around the court. So the official who sits with us up in the uh, in the booth, he's actually watching the feeds straight down the line, and he gets a clear view of whether or not there is a foot fault. And oh, he so that. that oh, that's so that's different to. Oh, that's interesting. So that's different to the calls. That's actually a umpire or a lines person expert who will decide whether it's, and, he, and he's pressing the red button. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that's right. So he, he's making that decision based on the footage. And uh, we have actually seen quite a few foot faults here, so it's, it's being used well. Also in attendance was a former Wimbledon champion who is now the tournament director of the Rotterdam 500 event, Richard Krychek. Yeah, what I really wanted to see in action uh, was uh, the no linesman. And uh, unfortunately, I don't like it. And the reason why I don't like it is, uh, I think it's very great, but it's a little bit too clinical. And, and uh, for the crowd, it's nicer when there's the challenges. And um, yeah, and, and that's gone. But the way the court looks, no linesman, it, it's a nice clean court in a way, but it's almost too clinical in a way because it's always a perfect call. So uh, now I like the linesman, I like the, it's a little bit the human emotion. And uh, when, when the players used up... Uh, uh, too, too many uh, challenges, you know, and it's 5 all. Is he going to use now his last challenge or is he going to wait for a more important point the next game and what's going to happen? So, um, yeah, that, that's the one. But uh, I knew already I don't like the no ad. I hate it. I love the best of five. I think that's great. Uh, for me, it can be introduced tomorrow. Uh, because? Uh, because all the time something is happening. It's important. The, 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 the points are important. The games, you don't want to leave. You know, like uh, normally go, I go quickly now to a bathroom. I, I get I take a, a quick sandwich or something. I'm gonna buy a quick sandwich. You can't because every game is almost uh, is important. Every game counts. So uh, uh, and before you know it, you watch a match for hour and a half, and it's like, oh, this was over quickly. No, I was here hour and a half. So that's that's the strength. So if you want to keep people like on the edge of the seat, entertained, I, I think that's great. Um, I, I would love more as a tournament director, uh, even a shorter warm-up. Uh, to what sort of length? Uh, one minute. For me, it would be ideal. Players come on court, 
with the racket in the hand, the ball boys take their bags, uh, they do the toss at the net, they hit uh, one minute, uh, 45 seconds, few serves, and then start straight away. Because the build-up with the lights, with the music, with everything, laser, whatever we are doing and investing, it's such a great build-up. And then, you know, by the time the player sits down, the ball, they toss, do the coin toss, then uh, hit, and then after the hit, the warm-up, they sit down again, takes a little bit of the... The, the, the tension away so uh, I understand it I used to do it also I like to take my time but I think yeah it would be a, a greater start to the match but the best of five for me is the most important uh, I love it so interesting listening to your views and your views clearly are as a tournament director as a player would you have had the same views if you were still playing N- yeah no I don't think so I, I don't think I would like the one minute warm-up at all um, I think I will, as, as a huge uh, server, do you think it would have helped you first of four? I don't know. I, I, I have no idea, but I, as a huge server, I wouldn't like to know that because it's very difficult to win two points in a row. Yeah, from juice, you have to win two points in a row to break a server. A big, but you can win one point. You can have a, 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 maybe hit a double fault or a, lo- a lucky return. Or But to hit two shots like that is difficult. So the no add, I don't like it now and I wouldn't have liked it as a player. Best of five up to four, uh, uh, maybe as a player you don't like because sometimes you want to relax also. You know, like, oh, I just hold my serve first couple of games and it's 2-0, 3-0, okay, and then the set starts if we see. So you don't, you get a bit of a breather. But uh, I think as a tournament director, but also as spectator, yeah, the best of five is 2-4 uh, is cool because every game, if you get broken, you hardly get a chance to break uh, back. So, uh, yeah, I think... Yeah, it, it, it adds to the intensity of the game. Richard Krychek there giving a former player's view, but what of the current generation? Well, Barry Cowan also spoke with two of the three Russians in the draw, Karen Hachinov, and first finalist, Andrei Rublev. Definitely, it was really tough, uh, tough condition, tough play, really good match uh, for both of us. I, I expect it's going to be really tough, especially with these rules. So with the short rules, you have to be hungry, but in focus. Otherwise, in one point, you can lose uh, in two minutes, like I did ter- third set. In two seconds, I lost 4-0. So this is really tough, and you have to be focused. All this to during one hour and a half, 100%. One hour, 46 on the clock, but it felt longer than that. Is it tougher physically with these rules and mentally than normally if you play two, uh, two hours? I think... Uh, it's not tougher, I think it's more like mentally because, with, like I say, with these rules, everybody can beat everybody. So you feel a little bit more stress. You feel that you have less time to break because tiebreak is coming and then tiebreak everything can happen. I f- I, because I feel, for example, this match, if we will play longer, I will have much more time to break him. And I, Because every time I feel that I have chances to break him and also him had a lot of break points. And with these rules, everything is goes so fast, you know, and it's just one who is a little bit lucky. And and in the end, uh, he won. With these rules, uh, new rules, it's uh, you have to stay focused all the time. You don't have, you don't have to give you a chance, you know, to get broke, to get broken. And I tried to stay focused all the match, and I did it well. So that's that's the secret. Well, you mentioned about the rule changes yesterday. You you had coach help at the end of the set today. You you chose not to to go for that reasons why. Yeah, because uh, we decided that first of all, if it goes well. 
my coach will show me if he wants to tell me something, Gallo if he wants to tell me something or not. And second of all, I think there are some conversations that we would like to keep private, you know, and you cannot maybe explain it uh, with the TV. And it's a good thing in general to, to have this uh, opportunity, you know, to speak with a coach, but sometimes it's just not worth it, you know. Depends on the situation. The concept of coaching via headset seems to divide opinion like nothing else. Barry also spoke with Jared Donaldson's coach, Jan Michael Gamble, and before that, Gianluigi Quincy's mentor, Fabio Goretti. Sometimes uh, I, I, I told him uh, about the technique or tactic, you know, and sometimes about mentality. He, he, when he, he said, I am tired, uh, for sure, I know, but uh, you need to run in the court. What we can do? You are tired? Okay. I think maybe the other, the other one uh, is like you, tired. Try to do something, move your legs and run. Don't think about, move your legs and run. Sometimes play cross court, play two forehands and one backhand, serve slice from left, depend. Almost by more you talk, makes him forget that he's tired. Yeah, maybe. Clever coaching. <laughs> maybe forget, I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I hope that, uh, that uh, the, the, the conversation between him and me is, uh, was a good uh, moment because we need a feeling, you know, coach and players. And uh, this is, uh, I think that it's important to, to speak with the players during the match because uh, if you can... Uh, speak about uh, what he feel during the match, during the match, not after the match or before the match. During the match is most important because uh, uh, I can work tomorrow about something that uh, uh, I know today during the match. I saw during the match. How have you found the the coaching? Because you, you've worked on the women's tour, you coached Coco Vanderway, uh, and obviously this is the first time you've been able to to, to influence the player, if that's the right word, but help them. Yes, so so, so far the coaching is, uh, you know, I've done it quite a bit. I can, I can go back so far as, as to when I was playing, we, we tried it for a few weeks. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. You're playing. We tried it for a few weeks, and, and uh, my dad would come out on the courts exactly like the girls are doing it, you know, once per set, either on a changeover or at the end of the set. I think the rules are a little different, but... Um, you know, it worked okay between us then. Uh, my dad didn't like being miked. <laughs> um, but me with, with Coco, you know, I was used to it. You know, we uh, coached her for a couple of years. And um, I think sometimes it was it was a helpful thing. I could help her out in matches. Sometimes uh, she'd call me out there and I'm like, you know, what are we talking about? I hear <laughs> we're just going to talk story for a little bit. But um, there's good and bad about it. You know, I really believe that that mental that the mental toughness in tennis is is second to no other sport. You know, to be out there by yourself for hours and hours and hours on end and have to repeat that the next day, and the next day and the next day all year long is 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 really difficult. So, so you're you're seeing also long term for Jarrett's development that actually this is an experience if he can figure it out himself, actually is going to benefit him more long term than maybe looking just at this tournament. Well, right. I think that, uh, you know, the ATP is looking at, at some different things here that could benefit the sport. Shot clock, great idea. I think that, I think that, that there's some things we could really do that would, would be useful um, in, in making the sport more interesting, faster, more streamlined, whatever you want to say. The coaching, um, it, it's a tough one for me. You know, the, the traditionalist in me says, let's keep it the same way. Um, 
the proactive in me says, okay, let's, we got to change the times. I understand that. I don't want to be a stick in the mud. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, the coaching, if, if it happens, we'll embrace it. You know, uh, Jared's a tough one. He's not, he's not uh, even in practice sets, he's, he's, he's a very focused guy. He, uh, he, I say very little. Uh, if it's something that's a glaring thing, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. But I like for him to figure it out himself, mainly because that's what has to happen right now. You have to do it. If you want to win matches, you better be able to figure out what's going on and figure out a way to win and play better. Um, in this situation, if I can help him, you know, he hasn't thrown the headset on yet. Uh, yesterday at the end of the second set, I was hoping he would because there was a couple things he was doing. That it's a, for, for, for Jared, it's just a couple quick things. Hey, you know, use your left hand more on that backhand. You know, it's getting away from you or control your toss making sure it's not too far out in the court or let's let's get the feet being you know you know offensive offensive footwork something we really we really work on you know because the guy had such a big ball you better be ready to pounce on it when you get the short one so a um, couple little things could help and uh he's just got to put it on so you know we play again tomorrow maybe he'll throw it on us we'll see and in terms of using the ipad the stats the hawkeye stats of, of that can give you so much data but there's the danger it can give you too much data yeah, you know what? I, I think that that's, that's something for, for after the match. Uh, by no means would I ever think it's a good idea to t- say, hey, you're serving at 55%, let's get it up to 60 or You know, the, those, are, those are basic guidelines that I use. Has Jared looked at any of the stats? I think Jared's a, you know, he's a savvy guy. He's going to look at the stats. He's gonna, we, we look at certain stats as, you know, first serve percentage points, one on first serve. That's a real, real easy one. If, you, if it's high enough, you're going to be holding mo- more often than not. Um, you know, returns put into the court. You know, th- those kinds of things are, are important. Um, sometimes it's it's good to get stats of like if you can get offensive stats on on an opponent. Hey, the guy serves here uh, on on a big point or things like that are are useful. Um, I'm not one of those coaches who's ever going to go out w- w- that was ever going to go out and, and chart a match. I remember working when I was a junior with a coach who wanted to chart every single thing that I did. It's like, hey, you know, win or lose this match, I'm not going to ever play a match like that one again. You know, I, I don't want too much information being fed my way. Um, but I think as a coach and the team, to know, to know that information, it can be very useful. One man completely at ease with on-court coaching, as you might expect, is the British Davis Cup captain, Leon Smith. He joined Peter Marcato in our ATP Tennis Radio commentary booth. I was sceptical maybe of the on-court coaching, but then you start to see it and you realise, you know what? This is actually pretty cool, uh, and I think a lot of the ideas, shot clock is, is an absolute no-brainer, so I'm really pleased that we're seeing this being played out. Well, you're no stranger to on-court coaching. It happens every sit-down in Davis Cup. <laughs> no, I just don't say much when they get there. I you just don't? see which, just... which waters they want. <laughs> Would you like a banana? All right, I'll go and get that for you. New towels, okay, I'll do the stringing as well. What have you made of it, though, the dynamic here? Because, obviously, you sit next to the players for Davis Cup. Here, the coach sits in the stand. There's no obligation, obviously, at the end of sets for the players to put on the headset and have the conversation. But what do you make of the chat that's been going on? Well, it's it's like you see on the women's tour. It's, it's very varied. Uh, the way it's happening, obviously, compared to Davis Cup, I get every end change. I can talk a lot or... or talk less in some ways because you know you've got the next end change so you can flow with it here you've got the end of the set and you whatever you say it, it better be pretty good and it better be relevant for your player and and I think for coaches they have to get used to it um, we saw that in its infancy on the on the women's tour where there were some pretty cringeable moments going mm. on but then you get used to it um, I, I think it I think some of the coaches know what the players need at a certain time some need to get some tactical strategy reminders or maybe they just haven't seen things that's happening in the match others 
like we saw with Shapovalov and his coach Marty Larando, they were like, hang on a minute, let's just talk about him. Let's just try and free him up as a person a little bit more. And, and that just comes to how well the coach and the player know each other, and we'll get some fun conversations from it. Well, we did get a fun conversation from those two because Andre Rublev was getting a medical timeout on his foot. I think they were strapping a mattress to the bottom of his foot. The blisters were so bad in the end because they just kept coming out each time. and just kept, He was mummified by the end. And they just decided to chat about all sorts of different things. They were talking about, uh, Dennis was talking about the coffee. He got a really good deal at a cafe in Millard. And then Martin said, well, you wouldn't have gotten that in Basel. So they were comparing that. Then he looked over and he, he was, Dennis was saying, oh, you know, Rublev needs to work on his tan because he had a, a sock line, tan line there. I think there was something about a DJ as well. Or he was like, yeah, on, sick beats was. was the term used. Well, that's what the young sick people beats. use anyway. Sick beats. I, I'm down with that. I know what that means. Yeah. Miles McLagan used it. Didn't quite fit in the context. I know he was paraphrasing, but I just out of him, nah, no. Yeah, he's getting on as well, though, isn't he? So. He is. So just sort of, I reminded him of that. Yeah. And we haven't <laughs> seen him back today. Um, the scoring system, though, the the no lets, uh, the no ads, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, we've seen it in various incarnations. We see it in Australia with the fast four concepts. Is it something that you can see, maybe not immediately, but down the track? And I've been using the term complementary to complement what's already there. That's a great way of putting it. Um, there's a few things. I think uh, well, we were chatting before coming on air, and I, you know, I've got young kids myself, 10, 8 years old, 4 year old, okay, but the 10 and 8 year old for sure want to watch some tennis. And I'm very lucky that I'm Davis cap captain this now, so I can get free tickets, but I can't use them because on a Friday they just won't come along. They mm. can't sit through 8, 9, 10 hours of tennis potentially. So, and they come to the doubles because it's a fine, you know, it's a shorter day, and they can invest that energy into it. But younger generation, they they're used to going from an activity, stopping it, starting another one, and and we have to explore in tennis ways to capture this new audience. And it's not for always. It doesn't mean to say we have to change all the events in tennis, but also you can inspire some, some some younger generation, some young kids that want to go and play tennis, they might not want to go and do the traditional scoring system. So what you can also sell from this is how we run our tournaments for kids, yep. the team events, the competition, what we do on the Saturdays down at the club, and that can start being good fun from this as well. This is a good talking point. The important thing working in clubland in Australia is it's not about the people who are already there. They're there because they like it. They love the sport. They love the scoring system. They're happy with the competitions they're in. You're trying to attract the people into the sport. And one of the big factors has been, we don't know when this is going to finish. We could be playing all afternoon. With these sort of concepts, you can actually make it so that you do get a proper match and you get a proper result and you get sets through, but it's over in an hour or 90 minutes. You can actually set it to a fixed time and you can attract people there who are time poor. You get juniors who are coming in where you might have three kids, for example, and they might play different sports. One of them might be tennis. So on a Saturday, they might be going to basketball or football or netball or whatever it is, and we're trying to fit tennis into that as well. It's very hard to do because you can't sort of drop the kids off and go, well, I'll pick you up in an hour because they may not have been finished by then. If you introduce concepts like this and you show how it can be done at the top level and it filters down, then you're more likely to get people in. It's just another selling point to get more people into the game, and if it removes one of the barriers that's there, why not try it? I think you've summed it up brilliantly, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone that's involved at a local club, and it is damn difficult trying to get people in, and for them to understand how it all works. And we actually did fast forward format uh, for our team events in Edinburgh, where I live. 
and it was great because the kids come in you can get the matches done on the time frame that you set they had their match tea at the end which the kids love you yep. know they play their tennis they go and eat their sandwiches in the case and they play some tig afterwards and you start having some fun and it's done in about 90 minutes all in yep and i know what it's like as well because of course while that's going on my daughter's doing ballet modern yep. dance gymnastics so and you're absolutely right we have to look at ways of doing things differently innovation not just on the tour but innovation on the tour captures it to do it down in grassroots and finally what about the men tasked with bringing the whole thing together atp chief player officer and tournament director in milan ross hutchins and george sis head of marketing at the atp the tennis has been spectacular. The players have been on phenomenal form, not just the way they're playing, but how they're acting and interacting and welcoming this event to the, the ATP calendar. Um, the matches have been blockbuster. Everyone's giving their all on every single point, as they would, but they're bouncing off each other, really fighting to the bitter end in every single scenario. Even in the warm-ups, we look in before matches. Because of this format, they're having to get ready quicker and earlier because they know they have to start faster because the sets are shorter. So the intensity's been electric. We're playing five days in a row from the beginning of the event till the final and that's what's really shown amongst these players it's short it's sharp it's vibrant the atmosphere on site is phenomenal and uh, we hope everyone's enjoyed what they've seen but the tennis has been great as you say George it's been a long time in the making uh, and it must have been a real challenge for you and for the whole of the ATP to to get it right no absolutely it took a it took a long time and it really started with Chris Kermode to me this this sort of tournament really is a, is a culmination of three different visions that built, built on top of each other. It started with the vision of Chris to have the tournament in the first place. He was his idea, it's his brainchild, to come up with this platform where we can do both things, to promote the next generation of stars, but also to test some of the new innovations and create an environment which may provide opportunity for these innovations to, to progress. The second layer of the of visions came from our Italian partners, and you know we're talking about a long time in making. Is we've been working with them for again it's about a year and a half or so, uh, and they had a great vision about the venue. They really came up with a fantastic concept, the giant uh, tennis courts overlinking the three sides of parts of the of the venue, the La Scala on the on the back of the court, which really became right. the fixture is is quite quite special, and then. The third part is the actual presentation on the on the court of the, the overall show production and the videos, all the interaction and the staging, which really came from the ATP team and uh, together with our show production agency, Wasserman. So yeah, quite a, quite a process to get here, but we are super excited about where we are and how it looks. The red lighting above the court's cool. Yeah, no, it is, it is, it is a little bit different. It, uh, it provides just a bit more decoration. You obviously are in an in a, in a industrial environment. This, this whole hall is used for world expos and things like that. So, you know, we had to bring in some uh, equipment to make it attractive, make it fun and exciting for people, give it, give it soul. But the true soul really came from the fans. As Ross said, the, the, the atmosphere is electric and really we can do a lot of things, but a lot of it comes from very passionate fans who embrace the event, embrace the format, embrace the players. So no, very, very excited. You've got a busy role at the ATP, Ross. You play at liaison and also here being with the tournament director. How many times have you had to come to Milan in the last year or so? 
Yeah, I mean, it's been fun actually to come over here, but probably uh, five to ten times we've come over here to, to maybe check out various venues to make sure everything's in order. Um, we've really worked hard on this event. It's been an important thing for the sport in general, for the tour, for the players, for, for the fans to see something different. You know, we have 63 tournaments in the year of which are all pretty similar various levels of players playing various levels of events but ultimately the rules are continual and we ha we think our platform on the ATP World Tour is very very strong right now arguably the strongest it's ever been but we thought we'd add an event like this to just to enhance the sport a little bit further rather you and I Baza could have an amazing dinner tonight where we talk about rules and and different innovations which we could do but we thought we'd actually put that into place and rather than talking about it over dinner let's see it in a week which is free let's look at it where we are promoting the next generation of players prior to the need to ATP finals we do want to put these players on a platform where the whole world is watching across so many broadcasters around the world which is a big platform so why not showcase these players why not look at new rules and actually have the whole year to fight for something where now we here we're in Milan and these players are battling it out and showcasing what possibly could be the future and possibly not yeah the most popular question the whole week and I'm sure you've had it hundreds of times what do you like and what do you not like it's it is it is for me it's a very easy question it's very very little I don't like I love it I really do I do think it's a it's fantastic uh, and it works as a package for me uh, to me you know you can bring one thing two things you know but and you really bring all together and the choreography how it all fits together is uh, is fantastic for me and I think the, 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 from my perspective, is, is I see very little downside because the overall package, what it delivers to the, to the, to the thing, it doesn't make the matches uh, any shorter than the minimum length. You still need to win 12 games to win, win the match. So it's the minimum length is hard, largely unaffected. However, you're taking off the maximum length, which is a great, great thing for us from a perspective of broadcasters who, from whom we constantly hear that the challenges, occasionally matches can go four hours and things like that, which really destroys their broadcast windows and all that stuff. So that's a benefit. It also reduces some of the um, less exciting moments of the match and adds the drama, adds the opportunities for momentum shifting. Um, so from my perspective, I, I only see positive with a very little downside. So um, I'm super excited, but tennis is also a sport of a huge tradition of a lot of people opinions so this is going to take a lot of time to to determine see how it goes and we're going to be analytical and we're going to do what chris always says we're going to look at all five groups of the stakeholders players hugely important tournaments hugely important broadcast and media partners sponsors because it's got to work for them as well and Last but not least, perhaps most importantly, the fans. So we're going to do a very rigorous research. It's not one of those things. What, what, do, you, what do you think, George? What do you think, Ross? It's really going to be an analytical process. And then the debate will open up in our industry and we'll, we'll see where it goes. But the best part about it is it, it sparks the conversation and people can actually really see it. Because sometimes you have to properly see things before, before you can have a proper opinion. Yeah, delighted to have George Sears and Ross Hutchins from the ATP. Ross, what's been the feedback from the players? Because I'm sure you've been in constant dialogue yeah. with, with the players, not just here, but also top 100, top 10. Well, like, I'm excited to talk to them in person because that's when you can really have that conversation with them and understand their emotions. What's so notable is that there's so many momentum swings in these matches and there's so many critical moments which are far more regular than in normal matches. So you have tie breaks, you have sudden death juice points, you have important moments at an earlier stage which become more regular. And how can you argue in any sport to, when you make something more exciting 
whilst keeping the fundamentals and tradition of the sport, which is what we think we've tried to do here with the scoring format, with the basic understanding of the game. We also have elements of things like coaching on the side, things like looking at the stats on the iPad. Should we have done that? Should we not have done that? Okay, you can criticise or, or agree with whether we should or shouldn't, but ultimately, we want to put this event and be creative. We haven't. We've made it very credible, I believe. Yeah. We've kept within the rules. We've made it what the players would want to do. We haven't gone for bonus points or one serve or if you hit a winning volley, it's two points. None of these type of things which you could technically go down that path. We will never do that with ATP World Tour. We need to keep credible, and that's what I think these changes have done, where all the consumers that are watching at home are able to enjoy this platform and understand the basis of tennis has remained uh, but it's just become more excitement more regularly in a fan-friendly format. I think if I may add I think Ross played it absolutely perfectly and just add a little statistic which I think is really interesting out of the first 10 matches we had two five setters that went to a tie break in the fifth I mean that just shows how dramatic, how exciting it is. It's, it's how difficult it is to get those kind of uh, epic things. But now you can get to those epic matches and the, the drama is really there. I mean, you could see it in the first match of the tournament where Daniel Medvedev, you know, I mean, in four matches, to, four sets to, to get to the point where he was almost cramping, it really comes from the intensity that it brings, you know, and then the, the, the drama. And, and that intensity, if the players feel it, fans are feeling it as well. So, um, you know, I think there's a lots and lots of positives about making it's not just about the length it's about making improving the overall quality the more drama excitement and technological enhancements the 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 hawkeye has been uh, has been phenomenal as well do you think it's any coincidence ross you know, if we go back a few years it was the year donald young he was the only teenager in the top 100 i think we've had an incredible year in terms of all these players and not just these players but other players younger players really emerging in the world's top 100 and having big wins that actually they've been striving from the start of the year because they want to be a part of this so actually they've they probably improved at a faster rate this year than maybe in previous years without doubt 100 percent you're right on that and we believe that george from the head of marketing side of things which started the next gen program for the atp launching something to say right we're going to promote you now it's a time for you players to react and give back and react to that position. And they've done that exactly. They've been fighting to, to make here in Milan. They've been desperate to play on this big platform where they know it's all about themselves. There's no one else which we're focusing on. It's all about the younger players. And they have reacted in full credit to them from the players that are here, the eight players that are here, from Sasha Zverev also, who came here uh, to play in the exhibition match, but was also qualified for the NITA ATP finals, as we know. So the way they've gone this year, the way they've really battled throughout the year to make sure they're here, it's full credit to them. They've responded, and uh, we're delighted that it's gone hand-in-hand hand with the launch of these players, as well as the reaction from these players. Makes your job easy as well, George, in marketing. Oh, no, absolutely. And I, I mean, just to put it in, again, in some numbers, you know, we have... We have promoted the guys massively this uh, Chris didn't ever seen this as a promotion it's not just the tournament itself but it's the whole whole storyline that it gives you throughout the year about who is gonna make it how they battling week in week out so we have tried to capture that we have produced over 60 videos on these players throughout the year we have also produced three different half an hour specific documentaries highlighting these guys what it meant to them how they're preparing we have been in their homes we have been in their off-season training we really have been following them as, as as much as possible to to really provide that close behind the scenes thing and behind the scenes look 
And what's amazing is how much the players embraced it. They opened their doors, they showed us their bedrooms, they showed us how they lived, they, sh they, they let us spend time with their family, and, and we really had some, some incredible time and, and gave us the opportunity to give fans the ability to get to know them. Because, as Chris Kermode always says, um, sport is very simple. It's about caring about who wins and who loses. It's very easy in football because if your dad has was been a fan of AC Milan, you're gonna be the fan of AC Milan. In tennis, it's a bit different, you know, because um, the, the the players are not there for for 50, 60 years. Their careers careers are much shorter. So we need to tell their stories quickly. We need to hook people early on to follow them, and that's what this platform gives us. And you can see it here. I mean, there is only one Italian player in here, but. The fans are into it for every single guy. And it's really, really incredible atmosphere. And I think a lot of it has to do with the stories we tell. And we tell those stories here on the big screens as well because we want these fans to get to know them. And Barry, also following what George said on the marketing side of things, it's not just about the new players and new rules. It's also a new element of broadcasting, of the different camera shots. We've had the courtside and the classic. The different way we're trying to promote the game through what we're telling the storylines through to the to the fans. We're going behind the scenes here on site a lot with the with the gym and the player lounge access, trying to showcase a different side of things. We've got new sponsors in there with Red Bull and Amazon, where we're now going. We've got different broadcast partners with Amazon Prime. So there's a lot of new things that we're doing across every single aspect of this event. And it's given us a chance to work with the players in a different way. You know, they, they are new, they are fresh, they are young, and ultimately they do want to be seen by the world. So it's actually been a great opportunity for us to look at ourselves as a tour as a governing body and try and do some new fresh things which hopefully the people back home will enjoy. This year's great. What about next year? Well, it is it is definitely going to be a full post analysis like we do with every tournament. Uh, we will have a full full debrief, look at everything, what work, uh, what can be improved and in our philosophy is always the same. We want to be better the following year than we were this year and we're going to look for every way, every, whether on every single aspect of the tournament, whether it's the hospitality, whether it's the, the show production, whether it's the marketing, whether it's the player facilities. We will look at the event all the way through, we'll look at the score scoring system, we look at, we look at all of that stuff and we'll try to come up with something that, that makes sense. This, this is a, something that we really want to build for a long term and uh, we're going to try to look for those marginal gains to every year to, uh, to grow, the, grow, the sport, grow the event and uh, move it forward. And we look forward to seeing all that 2018 will bring. Join us next week when we'll begin our review of 2017 by looking back at a clay court swing that would ultimately propel Rafa Nadal to world number one. I'm Seb Lozier. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. Remember, you can find it on TuneIn and on iTunes, where you can also leave us a review. And if you like the podcast, you'll almost certainly want to tune in to the ATP Tennis Radio channel, which is available 24-7 throughout the year and live every day of the Masters 1000 events and from the finals of the 500s. You can listen through atpworldtour.com and via the TuneIn and Tennis TV apps as a free-to-listen option. We'll see you next week.